Chase. <laughs> We've got Chase here. Nuclear engineer. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're, we're doing good. It's yeah. great, yeah. All right. What does a nuclear engineer do? And explain it like we're five years old because I have a feeling <laughs> it can get complicated. I'm already lost. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so like I, I mentioned to you guys, um, some folks in the in the the Navy nuclear community might give me uh, some flack for for claiming nuclear engineer. It's kind of the running joke. Like, you know, you, you finish six months of your training, and then all of a sudden you're like, I oh, am yeah, a nuclear engineer now. But um, but I did get a certification called nuclear engineer officer, so I'm I, I feel more comfortable claiming. Sounds uh, legit. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> I don't have um, that. Uh, but yeah, so essentially, uh, I operated the nuclear reactors that power uh, our aircraft carriers for our United States Navy. So uh, not really so much on the design side, right? Like that there's a, a whole team of, um, of uh, civilian folks that, that do most of that, and uh, the reactors are actually designed by um, outside entities like General Electric or Westinghouse. So what I did was less design and more operations, right? Think Homer Simpson or, uh, you know, uh, for you, Chernobyl, HBO Max. That was, that's a bad comparison. So you're really bad at keeping <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Don't, I guess don't have that perspective. What do you think of it? But, um, but yeah, yeah, I was comrade Dietloff. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Chernobyl? I've seen that, I've seen it's actually a lot of Simpsons. So um, I know what to see. I was talking with Justin like before, and when we said like, "Oh, Chase is a nuclear engineer," we literally thought we should ask him something about Homer Simpson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't know how to come up with the question. Yeah, there is lots of Homer Simpson memes across the ship. Yeah, nice. so, um, but yeah, so uh, essentially, uh, an aircraft carrier is two um, nuclear reactors, fairly small if you compare them to like commercial reactors, like. Uh, like stateside reactors, but um, but essentially they power the entire ship: electricity, clean water, um, and propulsion. So they make they make the spinny thing spin, and the lights turn on. So, God, the uh, yes. yeah, we are five years old. But yeah, so uh, I was an officer. So I was I. Um, Recently, within the last year, got out of the, the Navy, and I was a lieutenant when I got out. So um, my role uh, was both an operator, so I would supervise a reactor, one of the two reactors at a time, or, um, you know, when I wasn't doing that, because you can't do that, you know, for extended periods of time, um, I call that standing watch. Uh, when I wasn't doing that, uh, I was running a division of sailors, ranging from 20 years old to, like, 50 years old. Um, oh, wow. So from your most junior enlisted uh, guy right out of uh, high school to your senior enlisted folks that are um, some of the saltiest, smartest people that you will ever meet. So, um, but yeah. So that's how, what... How'd you get into this? Like, how did you... Like, did you choose this? Did it choose you? you know, pictures of Homer Simpson in your bedroom as a child. <laughs> a lot of people uh, say that um, they get voluntold to, to go into the nuclear community um, because um, it's just notoriously the most uh, like academically and um, just like it, it, it's like this it's like the this being a seal but for your brain right <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. right so um, 
so I did uh, ROTC with at USC with with Travis, not with Travis, but. Travis went to the school. I watched you yeah, work out in the morning. Yeah, Travis you watched me leave at like 5 a.m. <laughs> leave croissants and be like, how's that work out this morning? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, it's like the equivalent of going to officer candidate school or the Naval Academy. So as soon as you graduate, um, you commission as an officer and then you um, go out and serve. But you figure out where you're going in the Navy Um within probably like five to six months of you graduating. Um, so for me, I uh, knew that I wanted to be a nuke because uh, it was a good application of my major. Um, I knew it was going to be a good challenge, and I didn't want to break my body in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> being a SEAL or anything like that. So, um, uh, yeah, so I kind of knew early in my college career that I wanted to do it. Um, you know, it was a good way to pay for school, uh, serve my country and um, and have a job out of college. So was so. it in college when you got voluntold, or you you did choose? I volunteered. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know a lot of a lot of folks that that definitely were voluntold, but yeah. um, they still you know thrived and made the most of it. So, what were some of the other tracks you were looking at back then? Um, so um, there's within the nuclear community, there's two tracks. You can either go submarines or uh, on aircraft carriers. Um, so my title was actually called a surface warfare officer nuclear option. Um, Swono. A, a Swon, yeah, a Swono. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and we call the uh, the submarine folks bubbleheads. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, that's where so commissioning out of out of this source, you you you're kind of limited, or you can't really go supply officer or medical officer or dental officer, you, you are pretty much limited to pilot, surface warfare officer, which is just, you're on a ship, you're on a boat, um, a nuke, and a SEAL. So the, you're, you're kind of limited in your, in your window of yeah. possible communities to go into. You can transfer, but sometimes you have to serve in one of those communities to right. switch into like the, the restricted line communities, what they call them. Yeah. Where all the, the smart people go. Yeah. <laughs> and like, um, I imagine like, you know, you don't just pick it and they just give it to you. You have to pass some sort of tests for like, written for, like, for nuclear stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So before you even are selected, you have to go to Washington DC um, and you have to interview with, uh, with the admirals we call him. He's, he's the guy in charge of all of the, the naval nuclear reactors, every submarine's reactor, every aircraft carrier's reactor. Wow. So you have to go interview. You do a couple of technical interviews with with some of the like the nerds, <laughs> uh, and they assess how comfortable you are explaining something technical, and then then you do the business interview with the admiral, um, and he assesses your ability to sit there in a chair in front of an admiral and say. I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, are they like are they are they like the typical interview questions that people have for normal mm-hmm. jobs? Like, where do you see yourself in five years? For me, um, it's it was pretty short because obviously he has my my whole thing. He sees how I did in the technical interviews. He sees I wanted to do it, and so he asked me one question. He's like, "Oh, I see you." you did a senior project, tell me about it. And I like, explained it in like two minutes and he was like, cool. And then I was like, okay, thanks sir. And I got up. Yeah. Like he, he 
wasn't clear the it was the end of the interview, but um, he it it was just quite obvious. He was like, okay, this person is normal and yeah. smart, and we want him. <laughs> um, so there's it's obviously much more difficult for like a history major or, or an English major or something like that because they're not doing like anything technical or right. You know, they the technical interviews go much differently for them. So. Um, the the admiral is definitely like a little more uh, <laughs> cognizant of of those folks, and it's, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, you know, are you going to be okay going through this pretty crazy training program? Right. So, and also like leading people, I imagine yeah. they want to see like you know if you can walk into a room and well, commands. at the end of the day, that person's still going to lead people in yeah. some capacity. Fair. So, yeah, um, <laughs> it it's just a matter of whether they're able to lead. Other nerds. <laughs> <laughs> the technical um, instruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the what does the actual training look like once you've gotten into the program? Sure. Uh, so, if you're a submarine, uh, if you go into submarines, you're a bubblehead. Uh, you immediately go to uh, South Carolina uh, for six months, where uh, you call it Naval Nuclear Power School. Um, and essentially, it's. Any, everything from basic math and physics to advanced reactor plant operations, electrical engineering, uh, reactor dynamics. Your standard, yeah, yeah, standard yeah, coursework. Yeah. That's what uh, I did after college. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 standard coursework. Um, and I'm not going to lie, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough for me, too. You know, uh, I had a lot of courses that were the exact same thing, and I, hmm. uh, you know, I still struggled. So you can imagine, um, you know... Uh, someone who didn't study anything STEM. <laughs> yeah. <That'd be> brutal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the worst part though is that you can't take anything home. Uh, you have, you have to, because oh, wow. everything's secret or confidential or. Mm. So you have to study like that. on the campus. You have to go into campus. Oh, wow. Um, so for a submarine, uh, person, they would have to go to there first and then they go to something called prototype, uh, which is essentially a shore based, a real reactor, a shore-based reactor that powers nothing, uh, and they essentially train us on how to communicate, how to be comfortable under pressure, standing watch, um, familiarize ourselves like like visually with valves and piping and um, just all types of equipment. So it's like seeing everything firsthand yeah. and like getting used to like seeing the, all the equipment and stuff. And yeah, uh, so six months of. Classroom training, six months of hands-on, and then you can go to uh, your ship or boat. But, okay. So for me, though, uh, right out of school, I went to a conventional ship. So I went to a destroyer out of Pearl Harbor um, with our good friend Eric. Nice. Uh, and um, there I did everything non-engineering related. So I drove the ship, you know, stood watching combat, learned everything else there is to know about the surface Navy because eventually they want me to be well-rounded if I, you know, continue to progress in my career or something like that. So, um, was it like driving a ship? <laughs> like, those it's things are like, big. It's kind of like driving a car. Now, uh, is there an aux cord? Yeah, there is. <laughs> you admiral toss with the aux. You, you, there is an aux cord actually. Wow. Really? Okay. Does it go to the whole ship? Yeah. Uh, you, you can, you know, play it on the, the 1MC is what it's called. Um, so whenever we did like topside cleaning events, we're all, we're all hands topside, like in the middle of the ocean. It's a beautiful day. 
or just like spraying clean water on on the ship to prevent corrosion, just like sweeping off like salt and debris, whatever. We just put uh, we just blast like <laughs> <laughs> probably inappropriate music. <laughs> what, what, what kind of music do bubbleheads like? Yeah, do bubbleheads like I'm not sure. Uh, uh, yeah, aircraft music. I'm, yeah. Uh, or was, yeah, what do aircraft people like? Oh, well, like pilots like, you know, Kenny Loggins. Take <laughs> 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 uh, yourself. Yeah. Uh, but, but you have all, all walks of life on a conventional ship. So honestly, whoever gets the aux cord first. <laughs> What's um, the one song you're going to play? You get the aux cord on an aircraft. Ooh, uh, so. Something fun we did, uh, whenever we would pull alongside uh, like a, a refueling ship, uh, we'd actually like uh, blast something really cool sounding like on our loudspeaker. So the other ship was like, oh, this ship's cool. <laughs> Just like, like kind of set us apart because they refuel like a bunch of ships at a time. Um, I played like, oh, what, what did I play? I played Gasolina because that was funny. Because <laughs> you were getting gas. Just like multi, like $100 million <laughs> yeah. ship floating playing Gasolina. Everyone's outside. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, I played uh, Black Betty. It was a good one. That's good. Yeah. I can't, can't think of it. I'm sorry. So I'm actually curious, like, what's the tone when you're actually like, working? Mm. Because it sounds like you're having a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. But yeah. nuclear engineer that's a pretty serious job. Yeah. So like, are people having fun? Are people joking around? Or is it like brass tacks just getting down to business? Yeah. I imagine like combat zones, not combat. Like, Yeah. Um, it was definitely much different from my first ship to the carrier because, you know, the carrier, when you're standing watch, there's a lot more at stake. Um, you have to get things right or else you're in much more trouble. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just much more to juggle. So when you're standing watch, it was very serious, very formal. Uh, but uh, on the conventional ship, it like day to day work was what's you know much more informal, and people were calling each other by their first names. And um, yeah, so when there's less at stake, it, it definitely feels more more mm -hmm. informal. So um, yeah. And like, how many people are on a destroyer versus like an aircraft carrier? Like, how many like in your work? If you think about a workplace, right? Yeah. Like, what's the size of those? Uh, so the conventional ship is uh, about three hundred total, um, with about twenty to thirty officers. Uh, the carrier with the air wing on board, so with all the pilots and stuff, it's about fifty five hundred people. Dang. Um, with about I think like three hundred of those being officers. Wow. So, so if you're standing watch and like driving one of those. That's a big, it's a big yeah. deal. Uh, it's like a small town. It's not driving like a, like a Fiat or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like actually like a city, like Jeez. twice the size of my high school. Yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah. the wow. reactor department itself was like five to 600 people. Just for the, wow. just for the two reactors. So if Jeez. you think about it, like it's a significant portion of ship's company that's mm -hmm. dedicated to just turning the lights on and making the screws turn. So, um, and it, it, the department was bigger than my first ship. Wow. In total, yeah. Almost twice the size. So that's nice. pretty crazy. Just to put it in perspective. Uh, and are you applying a lot of the stuff you learned in training? Uh, I, so I'm actually curious, like, are you learning mathematics or the science behind it? And then when you're on the job, are you more just overseeing like the nuclear reactor or are you solving problems on how to, 
I don't know, make it better? That's a good question. Uh, the, uh, right, so the, the, the academic portion, the classroom portion was definitely, uh, just to get us primed for, for some of the more like snappy decision making stuff that we eventually made, right? So you're setting watch in like the control room, right? Mm-hmm. There's tons of indications and, and gadgets and gizmos and sounds and switches and, it's, it's chaos, right? If for the untrained person, right? Um, and for us, we need to be able to like take all of those things, trend them out, uh, because one thing alone could mean something, but one, one indication coupled with another could mean something way worse. So, um, so we have constantly have to be making like subtle calculations for like, like how to, uh, more safely or more optimally operate the plant. So, um, so the classroom portion definitely, you know, primes you to, to be able to do that, uh, eventually. So, yeah. That's intense. Um, yeah. So you're like constantly reading these different meters, gadgets, mm-hmm. indicators, and then you're having to make a forecast of, Hey, if we do this little calibration, it'll do this based off what we're seeing. Like, exactly. that. okay. Yeah. Um, and, more importantly, it helps us figure out if there's like a really unsafe condition happening mm-hmm. and clues us in. We call it casualty response. Casualty being um, not like someone is a casualty laying on the ground, right. or it could be, uh, but more like there is a significant problem that needs immediate attention before something disastrous happens. So, Jeez. Um, so we, we focus a lot on our casualty response. Um, which starts with, you know, a uh, symptom elaboration is what you call it, right? So like being able to see a temperature or a pressure or, um, you know, something that clues you into that. So, yeah. That's like a lot of pressure. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. So like, <laughs> all right, you're going in watch is like what, four, six, eight hours? It depends. Underway, uh, it's typically five, six hour watch. Okay. Um, in port, uh, you're on watch for 24 hours, but you don't have to stay in the plant, you know, the oh, whole wow. time. Um, so you stay up all the full 24 hours? Uh, for the for the supervisors, right? So the the folks that have to stay down there, yeah. uh, they they cycle out every eight, five six hours. Right. So, um, yeah, it's yeah six hours of pre- paying attention yeah. is it, yeah. every day, especially twice a day. It's it, it's wow. pretty draining. So. Um, what makes like if you're going to watch like you know six twelve hour shift or something a day like what makes a good day versus like a bad day? So a good day is actually nothing going on, right? <laughs> Being underway is when nothing goes on. That's you know when you're transiting across the Pacific at fifteen knots and they just need all the screws turning and nothing else is going on. There's no evolutions. That's that's like that's the money spot, right? Yes. Like that's when you are literally sitting there watching this little bar go up and down, up and down. And you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's when the ops. Um, that's when people turn yeah. on the music. Yeah, Just right. Kenny Loggins. So, yeah. so surprisingly, being underway is like the chillest really? time. Um, the worst time is when you're in port and you're doing maintenance on the ship, because um, that's when you're like pushing things to their absolute limits and like 
there's just so much, many more factors and so many, because they're infrequent operations. So, you, you know, you're, you're draining tanks and, uh, like doing crazy stuff with the reactor. Like it's, it's kind of scary to be honest. So, uh, that's, that's the worst. We were in dry dock the first few months that I was on board and I was standing watch when we were like recertifying the reactor to be a reactor. Oh and, uh, yeah, it, it's stressful, but yeah. Is there, so does your training, does it help you make difficult decisions? Like, does it, is there's a scenario, you know what to do or are there times when it's kind of open-ended and you have to make a snappy decision on the spot. There's no necessarily right or wrong, clear answer. Um, so our program trains us to be uh, the most conservative as possible, just because of uh, you know how much is at stake. You know, they, yeah. the things they don't want are uh, primary coolant or the the potentially radioactive water leaving where it's supposed to be, and potentially you know, contaminating the outside of the ship. And that's the worst case scenario. So um, we are trained to operate quite conservatively. So if there is a gray area where we don't know exactly what's going on uh, and we don't have time to like make a call and ask the question, then uh, to, to take the most conservative action possible, which is usually called scramming the reactor, right? Um, in Chernobyl or in the, the HBO show, it's called AZ5 is the button. It's essentially all the control rods go down really fast uh, and shut down the reactor. Uh, so we call it scramming out the reactor. Uh, yeah. If, if you, I've, I've scrammed the reactor a lot because I was on drill team. So what we do is we would implement really unsafe conditions or simulate unsafe conditions and then the watch team would scram out the reactor and then we would assess their ability to uh to get it back online pretty quick so um but yeah so uh we would we always fail on the safe side um and if we don't we usually get in trouble uh so which is probably like good to have that yeah. conservative yeah. like make sure you just always are not doing something risky and we don't want another Chernobyl, I guess. So since the inception of, of the Naval nuclear propulsion program, we, they haven't had a single, um, reactor safety incident. Wow. Um, there have been submarines lost at sea, but, uh, the two of them to be exact, but, um, it's not exactly attributable to the reactor plant. So, um, yeah. So I guess on that point, like it's a freaky, not only are you doing nuclear engineering, which is like scary in itself, like nuclear reactor issues, like what if it explodes, I don't know, explodes or does something crazy, but you're in the military and yeah. that's, that's freaky too, just on its own, right? Like yeah. people are shooting at you or you're going to unsafe areas. Like how, how was that experience for you going, you know, dry dock or staying on shore is probably a lot different than going you know, to some place where there's an active war, active military operation. So I'll be honest, uh, there are some times on the carrier where I would go up to the hangar bay, which is where you could like see the, you know, the ocean and yeah. the sun. And I'd be like, Oh, we're underway. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> cause, cause reactor probably have to come on board a few days early mm. to, to start getting up, make sure we have enough water, et cetera, et cetera. So, 
I would go up and be like, oh my gosh, we're underway. <laughs> Especially because it's so, such a big ship, you don't feel it really. So, uh-huh. um, like, there's just a, a normal, the normal whir, like, throughout the ship. And you're like, okay, like, could be us moving, could be, you know, something else. I don't yeah. know. Um, uh, but on my first ship, I definitely felt, uh, you know, because I, I knew where we were, I knew who was around, I know what was around. Um, it was definitely a little more stressful, but. Um, you know, I was a, a fairly junior officer. I mean, I was 23 years old okay. at that point, driving a billion-dollar Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, yeah, it, it, in both cases, though, it, it definitely teaches you a lot on handle how to handle acute stress um, and, uh, you know, teaches you a lot about yourself and, like, <laughs> how you sound and, and you know, how comfortable you can be in those situations um yeah when i hear about like jobs like this and i think about my job and what pressure is (laughs) i'm like this is nothing my powerpoint wasn't (laughs) yeah yeah. oh i got yelled at (laughs) it's definitely made me uh you know appreciate the important things and you know and kind of like i don't i don't want to say i'm like (laughs) too chill now like like i i i do i do find myself uh you know seeing something that i probably you know what am i trying to say i'm, I'm like stress you out yeah like more, like yeah. yeah like stuff doesn't stress me out as much yeah. as like it I, did. I, I was yeah. on a big aircraft like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um i mean yeah the uh that being said though i definitely had more stress like acute stress mm. in the nuclear plant than I did, you know, in the combat zone, uh, you know, on the, the smaller ship. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Stuff, stuff could go wrong very quick. Mm. Uh, and it's usually, usually happens after midnight. So, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it, what does like work life look like? So how, how much, how long are you on the ship for? Uh, and then how, like, what are your, nighttime shifts versus daytime shifts what does that look like yeah so um it depends so um when i first got to the carrier you know we were in dry dock so obviously i would go home most days right Um, but it depends on like where you get to a ship in its life cycle you know it could be coming out of out of the dry dock and then getting ready to go on deployment which usually involves a bunch of smaller underways to to recertify uh your combat systems your flight deck the reactor and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So, um, so in those periods, you know, you, you could be going out for a month, coming back for a couple of weeks, going out for another month, and then just to, to top it all off with a seven month deployment. So that that you know those times are are um, are difficult. But like I said, uh, as far as operating goes, those are the kind of the chiller times. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, in dry dock doing crazy stuff it it that's that's the yeah. you know where you uh um earn your stripes i guess so, so seven months out on a boat yeah a bunch of people yeah. <laughs> not going home yeah i imagine you're not, not a lot of, like comforts like um yeah you download a lot of movies yeah like what do you a lot of books what's kind of like the best part of being on a ship like that with you know 5500 people in different it's like a town a floating village or something and then like what did you miss the most when you were in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, like, um, you're like, I have five months left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, 
besides the like, you know, missing your family and friends, yeah. I missed like what like food. I don't know. Like I mean the food is pretty good. Yeah. But typically, you know, if you if you go out into the, the wardrobe or the mess hall and there's steak and lobster, it means that there's about to be bad news. Oh god. Like, oh. Uh, like, you're, you're like, oh man. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> I mean, cool. Like, I'm gonna eat this, but it probably means that we're gonna be underway for another couple weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's um I missed I missed good food. Um I missed I don't know, just like going to see a movie. Like I would yeah. I came back from deployment, I was like uh, what is back in like 2016? I was like, what is Fortnite? Uh, like, <laughs> what is this new iPhone? And uh, like, who is Cardi B or something? It turns like that. into like, a boomer. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, I could only email my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Um, yes, it's tough, but uh, you know, you, you what what helps you get through it though is some of the people on board, right? Like the sailors are, are some of the most intelligent, you know, like MacGyver type, like folks that you'll ever meet. Uh, they're, they make it pretty fun. They, they come up with interesting ways to, to, you know, pass the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for bubbleheads, they play a lot of cribbage. Uh, cribbage, yeah. really? um, well. that doesn't sound like that. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, uh, You're they, just underwater. They have, like, they have a blast. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the best game. Yeah. Are they like, are, I mean, you say bubbleheads. Are they just like deemed as weird people? I, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like, like, I, like they sound like mole people. Yeah. They literally are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, they're, they're a few hundred feet below the surface, like, at times. So, yeah. Yeah, it would be um, crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like the every once in a while, like every nine to twelve months, I'd get like a random text from you. You'd be like, "I have Wi-Fi. I'm like, here." Yeah, yeah <laughs> like I just watched eighteen episodes of anime. Like, what do you think of the show from <laughs> two years ago? <laughs> hey, I was like, "Wow, this is cool. that's current to me, right?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. Thing. Um, yeah, the uh, I, I definitely I definitely liked my experience on the carrier yeah. as far as how it challenged me and some of those those guys but my first ship was definitely the most i have the most sea stories from it i guess so give us a good sea story oh gosh <laughs> tell me a sea shanty no one wants to hear a sea story when you're like you know like everyone always like all the senior officers always tell sea stories like ah oh, like another <laughs> one but um once you have a few of your own like it it's uh Pretty funny. So, I think of a good one. Uh, what was your first one? My first Ooh. sea story. Your first big sea story. Uh, oh, this is a good one. I'm gonna tell this one. <laughs> yes, so our yes. good friend, <laughs> our good friend Eric, right? Uh, he. Oh boy, uh, nickname E Nasty. E, yeah. Uh, he. So, the destroyers have two small boats. They're called ribs, rigid and rigid hull inflatable boats. Um. So one time I was standing watch, uh, I was on the bridge, right? So I was, I was driving the ship. I was helping to drive the ship. Um, and we often send the small boats in and out of, uh, you know, a port to pick people up, drop people off, pick up parts, et cetera. Right. Uh, so, uh, E. Nasty is one of our search and rescue swimmers and he's also an officer. So he, 
was also, he was the boat officer, so he was like responsible for the small boat as it went out to go pick someone up and bring someone back in. It's late at night, it's like 1 a.m. We have the Waikiki or Honolulu skyline mm-hmm. right there. We're, you know, we're pretty close to shore, we can see everything. And, you know, he goes out and then, you know, like three hours later, I'm like, hmm, it's been a long time. <laughs> like, he probably should be back by now. Um, and we're close enough to land that we have cell service. So I call him. I'm on the bridge wing. I'm looking at the skyline. I'm like leaning over the, the bridge wing. And <laughs> he doesn't pick up at first. I'm like, oh, God. He calls me back. I'm like, hey. He, he's like, dude. I'm soft to ground right now. <laughs> a ground meaning he is on, like he is beached the boat on accident <laughs> on a reef or something like yeah. that. Yeah, nice. And uh, he had just qualified officer of the deck, meaning he had just gained the captain's trust. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like, put my my hand on my head. I'm like, and then the captain comes up behind me. He's like, "Is that Eric?" <laughs> like, sir, Eric's soft to ground right now. <laughs> And the captain's like, no. <laughs> and so he, the way he describes it is he got one of the paddles, had to like push the boat off of the reef, and then somehow navigate his way back, sorry, navigate his way back to the ship. Oh my God. And came back, the like little propeller was all jacked up, the, the hull was all scraped. <laughs> and it was close enough to land where we could like see where he ran aground and so we'd always point to it whenever we there's like a golf course nearby and be like hey, that's where you ran aground <laughs> wait there's a golf course like where like right like, where right next to it yeah so people are like literally playing golf and see this guy just... it was 1am so oh okay yeah, yeah. yeah. imagine him just being stuck in the ocean at like 1 in the morning not wanting to call for help yeah. <laughs> in, his, in his defense it, it is a, a pretty narrow uh, like harbor, and it, it's quite easy to to get yourself lost. One says so. you never ran the boat aground, and he did. <laughs> I I had much less opportunities to do it than he did, but it, it's still a good story because <laughs> he just runs into the yeah. beach. Whoops! <laughs> yeah. I think I think uh, when he left the ship, they gave him the, the little fucked up propeller. Nice. Well, going away present. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's one of my favorites. Um, so going back to nuclear engineering, um, is it possible to be a nuclear engineer outside of the military? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there, there are still commercial reactors in uh, the United States um, that uh, are operate by the same technology, mm-hmm. um, but at just at a larger scale. Um, but but absolutely, yeah, it's it's definitely possible. Um, uh, obviously, not the most uh, socially popular uh, piece of, of our energy industry yeah. or technology, um, you know, for a myriad of reasons. But um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a career path for a lot of people. Um, so and you didn't, but you didn't want to go down that necessarily for you. Um, uh, it, it, it's tough, right? There's there's just less opportunity. I want to be in the city. There's no <laughs> nuclear reactors. There's not any <laughs> not Brooklyn. Just yeah, <laughs> it's in the middle of Brooklyn. Um, but uh, but I but I am in the energy industry still, um, still doing engineering. So, um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 unique though. The the Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program is is so unique because it's the only self regulating nuclear entity in the entire world. Hmm. Um, and, and I guess that kind of makes sense because, you know, 
if a commercial reactor is starting up or shutting down, right, they have time, right? Like, you know, yeah. you, you could brief it, you know, it's probably like a week long evolution, mm-hmm. but you know, let's say I'm in the middle of the ocean, I'm getting shot at, or I need to pick up, you know, someone behind enemy lines, something like that. I need to go pick up Maverick. Uh, um, then, and one of our reactors shuts down or both of them, then, you know, I'm not going to like make a phone call to the nuclear regulatory commission and say, Hey, like I need to start one of these back up. Like, is that cool? And then they're like, Hmm, we have a few questions for you. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. You know, you're just not going to do that. You're going to start it back up. You're going to verify that it's still safe right. and you're going to verify all the conditions to, to get it back online and you're going to get it back online right. as soon as possible. Uh, right. Because we don't have that luxury of, of, right. of time. Um, so, uh, definitely, you know, similar technology, probably a different operating dynamic. I, I, I mean, I can't speak for yeah. sure. Yeah. But, uh, I can imagine that there's, right. you know, much less urgency when it comes to like more, uh, like less routine things. Yeah. So, yeah. so. There's less at stake. Yeah. I it mean, there's like, a, there's a similar amount at stake. Yeah. You know, cause they're, I mean, from a, from a safety probably yeah. standpoint, but at least More like breathing room, they're not powering the military to go carry out operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In, yeah. In that way, yeah. You don't have to rescue E nasty from his <laughs> grounded boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we need to start up the reactors. Cause yeah. my friend is a yeah. dummy. We, uh, we would actually race to see who could, who could bring a reactor online. The fastest <laughs> nuclear regulatory commission is just like, ah. That's, safely, that's a terrifying sentence. Safely, of course. <laughs> if you ver- if you like violate a limit, not only would you be like removed from watch standing, but like yeah, it wouldn't count. <laughs> <laughs> more importantly, yeah, more importantly, is a good in, in, more importantly, in our our made up game, <laughs> I got fired, but I won the game. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was faster. Um, the the time on board that I definitely had like the most routine schedule uh, was when I was on drill team. So I would, I would, like I said, I was going out of the plant um, and I would, you know, like flip a switch and then I'd look at the watch and be like, what are you going to do about it? Or like, what does this mean? <laughs> or like, you know, we, we, we just stress them out and we would evaluate them and, and give them feedback on how to be better watch standards essentially. But we can only do that in the middle of the night, you know, when we're not launching planes or, or, you know, doing something important. So, um, you know, I'd wake up at midnight, brief it, go down to the plant, start turning shit off, and <laughs> I'd be like, this is fun. And then, you know, be there for probably 10 hours and then go to bed. Um, wow. So. That's, so, okay. So we have bureaucracy. We have, like, lots of time away from home. Like, stress, weird off hours. Like, who, who is good for this job? Like, if you're thinking about career paths, you go back to, like, 18-year-old Chase, thinking about ROTC, like... Who should be going into nuclear propulsion or engineering and like who shouldn't? Um, well, definitely people that first off believe in the, the technology and, um, you know, people join the military itself for very, a myriad of reasons. But um, so if the military first off is for you, then yeah. But, um, but someone that believes in the technology, uh, someone that like is really looking to, to challenge themselves, um, um, and yeah, that's probably about it. You don't need a STEM major or, you know, a technical background. So like we talked about, but do you get paid more as an officer? 
Yes, uh, than some some of the enlisted folks. There are the senior enlisted folks definitely. I mean, the military pay charts are on. You can Google them. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's not like a secret, but um, uh, but there there are financial incentives for being a nuke specifically. So I, I would make more than like a, a typical service warfare officer or something like that. So you're rich. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you need a college degree? Oh, uh, to be an officer. Yes. Okay. Um, to be uh, an enlisted technician now. So as far as the enlisted uh, rates go, you know, there were electronics technicians that dealt with a lot of the microprocessor stuff sure. and um, there were electricians mates. Um, that was the division I ran. I ran the uh, reactor electrical division. Uh, so a lot of the, the nuclear power trained electricians. Um, you could be a mechanic. You, uh, they call it a dirty pipe or clean pipe mechanic. Clean pipe, you deal with a lot of the reactor systems. And dirty pipe, you deal with a lot of like the secondary like propulsion and, and stuff like that systems. Um, Some of the terminology. Yeah. Dirty pipe, clean pipe. Bubble bubble heads. Heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, is pretty, this is pretty fun. Man. A lot of time on a boat. You're a dirty piper. I, I know a lot of places dirty have... Pipe, <laughs> dirty piper bubblehead. Yeah. A lot of places have like acronyms, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, like I'm sure... Where every industry has a ton of acronyms, but there are some times where like eight words out of the ten in a sentence are acronyms. <laughs> like I, I probably can't even give you an example. Right now, but it's so like if you like just kind of step back and think about it. Like yeah. you're like if someone heard me speaking, right? Like if my mom heard me speak right now, they'd she'd be like, like what did you call me? Or like uh, she wouldn't. Yeah, she wouldn't understand anything. But um, I feel like that with work talk, where you just you just work mm-hmm. mode, where you're saying all this terminology and like business jargon. Yeah, but in normal life, yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, to it's, yeah. Be talking like that. Yeah. Let's circle back on that. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to piggyback. Yeah. Oh man. So okay, go back to like 18, 19 year old Chase when you were making powerpoints and ROTC training, because I remember that those days. Like, what what advice are you giving yourself for the next six years of deployment? Um, specifically about Navy stuff. Yeah, or or I mean, just life about your stuff. relationships. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, like <laughs> try to maintain your relationships better. Uh, um, yeah, like it, it. It was it's it was definitely tough. Um, you know, you, you almost had to like make just the friends that were available to you, and you know, because you're. The, the breadth of people that you could interact with was, was limited already. So, and I mean, I couldn't even communicate with the people I wanted to communicate with, right? So, um, yeah. Uh, what advice, though? Mm. I, I feel like when I first got to a ship, is I took things like maybe a little seriously and, and maybe gave off some bad first impressions. Uh, with the other officers, but I made it a point to like try to, for my divisions, like of, of the enlisted folks, I, I, I would make it a point to make sure that they knew that I was on their team. But you're cool. Maybe yeah, like maybe loosen up a little bit when you first get there. Be the uh, cool boss, well, Michael Scott <laughs> yeah, of the nuclear, yeah. nuclear navy. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I think I knew that I wanted to. Um, kind of end my, my naval career, uh, you know, right after or, or right around the, the point where I first could, right. Cause I had a certain commitment. You have a certain commitment coming out of school cause they pay for your undergrad. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. As far as career wise, like I, I probably wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. I, I really enjoyed the community and um yeah. That's probably about it. I like it. Nice. Yeah. Wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Life's great, <laughs> making bank. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> oh no, still, no, you're no. Still, <laughs> you're still like I mean, if you think about it, like I, somebody made did the calculation, and it's it's less than minimum wage at, at certain points, obviously, oh, no. when you're <laughs> underway twenty four hours a day, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, yeah, living at work—that's a that's a new one. That's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, definitely, I've fairly unique experiences, and, and and nowhere else are you gonna find the ability to lead that many people immediately, you know, if you think about it. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are a few places, but like it, it it was truly just, I mean, it's, it's such a unique experience to, you know, there, there are a group of 50, 18 to, to 50 year olds that, that you need to know pretty much the most things about their lives and, and make sure they're good to be able to go on these long deployments or, you know, perform under pressure or whatever. I mean, yeah, there are no shortage of personnel problems Mm -hmm. um, that you experience in in that type of leadership role. So, um, and some people, you know, some people join the military to get away from bad stuff and, and they might have, you know, there's, there's just all kinds of backgrounds that people come from or, or, you know, things that they, they think are okay or maybe not be, or not like uh, you know the most appropriate for kind of that professional setting. So um, yeah, it's tough. But you're a 22 year old. You know, tons of people have done it before you, so you kind of figure it out. So um, corporate life is easy compared to that. It's, yeah, it's, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> my work my work life balance exists. <laughs> um, but yeah, nice, nice. That's cool. We'll chase. I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like I know. I'm like a lot better than the five year old. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like I honestly expected much more technical questions. You know, like we I wouldn't understand. The I, I don't even know what technical questions to ask you. Like, when does it go boom? <laughs> yeah. Um, if the power is too high and you don't aren't cooling it enough. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. yeah. Just keep it cool. <laughs> yeah, keep the hot rock cool. Yeah. That's, keep keep that's the hot easy. rock cool. Yeah. 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 Really I is. could be a nuclear engineer. Yeah, just be in there with a bucket of water. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a sauna, guys. Yeah. I brought ice, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you so much for doing yeah, this. Thanks, really guys. It's really it. fun. Yeah.